Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this month. It's called Deeper, right? And we have some really cool things happening this month. We have Deeper Connect Groups. And what's a Deeper Connect Group? Well, uh, there are groups that are meeting in Boardman and Warren, um, traditional campus, and they're taking the message and they're just going through some points of the message. And so if you want to join one of those groups, and then we also have deeper prayer groups, guys, that are going on during this period, just go to our church app, Believer's Church app, and you can find out where they're at, or believers.cc, um, our website, and you can find out where all this is happening. So I'm excited about this month. It's an incredible month. I'm excited about our deeper retreat coming up. Uh, and I just believe God's doing something in our lives. And so when we sat down to think about this series, we asked ourselves, what areas can we talk about where you and I can go deeper, right, in our walk with God? And the one I wanted to do first, I call it deeper faith. And uh, it's going to surprise you maybe what direction I go. But faith is one of those things in the Bible that the Bible actually calls it a substance, and it actually only comes one way, but it's something that can change our lives radically. And so we'll be talking about that. And I remember the first 15 years, right around there that I pastored believers, right? Um, whenever I taught on faith, I only taught on faith to pray and to speak God's word. And I, I just never taught on it for any other reason. And then, I don't know, 15 years into it, I was reading Hebrews 11 and I was shocked because it was like God shined a flashlight on there and I realized, oh my goodness, uh, there's more in here about a different type of faith that I never teach on. That's what I want to open up today. So Hebrews 11 is called um, the Hall of Faith. It's like the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, right? What is the Football Hall of Fame? If you love football, you know the greatest pro athletes ever and the greatest coaches, they're in the Football Hall of Fame. Well, God wrote a book in the Bible, and he took the greatest men and women of faith, and he exhorted us on this thing called faith, and so I wrote this out to make it simple. Remember, anything that comes underneath on the screen behind, uh, if you go to this lesson, guys, on our app or our website, uh, everything that comes up will be there. And so I do that so you can use it as study material. But uh, here's what I found out. In chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, which is called the Hall of Faith, there are 16 detailed examples of people walking by faith. 12 are examples of faith that obeyed. Three are examples of faith that spoke what they believed, and one was an example of faith that received answers to prayer. So next week, I want to talk about deep prayer. I have a cool lesson. It's so fun. We'll talk a little bit about that type of faith. But um, did you notice 12 out of 16 times, it was faith that obeyed? 75% of the time in the hall of faith, it's about faith that God gave an instruction to someone, and they obeyed the instruction. And this is life-changing. And I remember 15 years into this, I saw that and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm neglecting one of the most important things. God put 75% of the detailed examples on obedience faith. And I want you to just think about it, guys. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah built the ark. Do you think that he is glad he obeyed God and built the ark? Yeah, he wouldn't have been here. We wouldn't have been here if he didn't build that ark, right? By faith, the Bible says Abraham left his land and he went to a place and he had no idea where he was going, but God spoke to him and said, go. So 
he went. By faith, Moses, listen to this, decided to leave all the glory of Egypt. He was one of the princes of Egypt, right? Raised right there in the king's house, and he was headed for great, great natural blessings. And the Bible says, by faith, he left there, and he went into the wilderness. And so when God asked these people to do something, they did it. And it wasn't just to make their life miserable. It was for God to be able to change them, bless them, and give them something they could get no other way. And so we're going to talk about this obedience faith, right? So I have a big idea for this lesson, if you're visiting. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, which means many of you know this. So you're like me. We want to go to the next level. And it goes like this. Deep faith develops fruit. And I want us to walk out understanding. If we have deep faith, something's happening. We're developing fruit. And I didn't pick the word develop because it started with a D, like deep. I picked it because, guys, when it comes to deep faith, it's a process. It does not happen overnight. And we need to know that so we have patience for it. The Bible says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And that's every single promise he makes in the Bible. It doesn't happen overnight, right? So we want to talk about the development of faith. And I got to thinking about us here at Believers. One of the things we say a lot is no perfect people are allowed, right? Well, what do we mean by that? You guys know what we mean. We're not saying live any way you want because God doesn't care. What we're saying is no matter how spiritually mature you are, you'll never be perfect. Because if we put our life up to the standard of Jesus, we'll never be perfect. But that's okay. It's a process. And we just want to keep growing and growing, and growing. And that's what God's wanting to do in each and every one of our lives. So if you have deep faith, you're going to do something. You're going to develop fruit. But here's something you want to know and understand about faith. Listen to Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And this is the end of a beautiful, just a beautiful text where he's telling us how to become a Christian, right? And he says, you have to believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you'll be saved. But he says, how can people be saved unless there's a preacher and they have to hear? And then he's making this statement. Whenever you hear any scripture from the Bible, whether it's on salvation or any other thing, it produces a substance called faith. And if you have that substance in your heart, you can do something with it that will produce fruit in your life that's absolutely amazing. But if you don't do anything with it, it just simply dissipates. So you're going to go to heaven because you believed in Jesus, but God's wanting to take you to another level, right? And that's what today's all about. He's wanting to grow you, change you. God wants you free from anxiety. He wants you free from fear. He wants you free from addiction. He wants you fear free from any sin you can ever imagine. He wants to free us, grow us, and bring us to this place to where we are fruitful, right? He wants fruit to come out of our lives. So there's a book in your Bible. It's called the book of James. And some Christians think it shouldn't even be there, right? Because they think the book of James is contradicting the apostle Paul. Paul said that, in, that we are saved by grace, not by works, lest any of us should boast. It's a gift from God. And so James says, uh, faith without works is dead. So they think they're contrary. But guys, they're not. Uh, James is just saying, after you accept Christ, uh, you should begin to develop fruit. Something should be seen in your lives. And one of the things that I'm, I'm so concerned about, and, and, and I think we do a good job, 
But I want to make sure, you know how I pray at the end that anybody want to accept Jesus. Um, I want to make sure we don't have the attitude that that's a one and done prayer. You know, it's like the magic prayer. If I pray it and then I don't have to ever do anything else, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't have to follow God. So we want to make sure it's not the one and done prayer, right? Because, man, that's how we enter into the kingdom, but we want to grow, right? So James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus. And then after Jesus was resurrected, he believed in him. He became the pastor of the church of, of Jerusalem, and he wrote this incredible book, I just wrote a little synopsis to help you understand what's happening in here, hoping you'll read the book this week. But here's my synopsis. James is writing his book to Jewish believers, but it's also for all believers. Um, his original audience loved this world more than God, James 4. He tells him, uh, Christianese, he says, you're backslidden, right? You guys are living in sin. You guys are far from God. Uh, so it goes on to say, and we're being persecuted at the same time, right, for their faith in Jesus by other Jews. They are being tempted to deny Jesus and go back to Judaism. That is what the first 18 verses of chapter 1 address. The most famous statement in those 18 verses would be, count it all joy when you fall into trials. We're going to bring that out in an example here. But guys, think about these people. They're Jewish believers, right? And when they accepted Jesus, guess what they had to do? They had to stop going to the temple. And guess what? Their whole life was was part of the Jewish community. So if they owned a business and they left the temple and began to follow Jesus, nobody went, no Jews went in their business. Uh, if they worked for another Jew, they were fired. So they're experiencing this incredible persecution, right? And at the same time, they walked far from God, and James is trying to help them go to the next level. So here's my second paragraph about this. At the end of chapter one and in chapter two, James deals with their number one deficiency as Christians, and we can have the same thing. Their faith didn't have corresponding actions. That's James chapter one. The only, they only had and were on the verge of losing what is called salvation faith. They believed in Jesus for salvation, but didn't pursue him obeying what he instructed them to do. And listen to this, salvation faith alone is shallow faith. James is writing to them to teach them what deep faith looks like. I wanted you to see what this book's all about. The, chapter 1 and 2 are just amazing, so I encourage you to read. Really, it's a short book. Read, read it this week. It will change your life forever. But James is trying to get them to see something. They have to take what God has instructed them to do and begin to put it into practice. And we'll talk about that today. But here's one of the most famous sections, James chapter 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. So verse 19 is quite an insult. He just said to them, you guys have demon faith, and none of us want to have demon faith, right? They're those little imps. They're not angels. They're below angels, and they're in this world, and one of their main jobs is to put thoughts of temptation into people, right? It's one of their main jobs. And he says, you know what? Every demon in the world believes in Jesus. They saw him raised from the dead. They know he's the son of God who always existed, but they can't be redeemed. And he's saying, your faith is so shallow, it's just like demon faith. So none of us want to have demon faith, right? We want deep faith. We don't want just salvation faith. Very important. It brings us into God's kingdom. But we want to go to the next level. We want to have deep faith. So notice what he said. He says, you have faith and I have deeds. That Some people are saying that. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, he's saying deep 
faith produces fruit, right? And he's saying, guys, if you really truly believed in Jesus, we begin to see some changes in your life. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't believe in Jesus, but it just means there's no fruit coming out, and faith without works is what? Dead. So he's not saying you work your way to heaven. He's saying fruit should come out of our lives. And this is, guys, a walk that all of us are in. We want to keep growing. We don't want to stop anywhere. We just want to keep going. So in my fashion, as I do, I came up with my top three things that I believe you and I want to know about and put into practice in our life. And these are kind of principles. And we'll have a lot of fun with them, okay? So here's the first one. Uh, the top three signs of deep faith, all right? So the first one is this. Deep faith loves God. And I want, want to ask you the question, what does it mean to love God? So we just had stripped back worship, and it was amazing. It was just amazing. Um, and so in worship, you know, we can say, I love you, God, I love you, and you're awesome, and we should. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But is that, is that what deep faith does? That's maybe part of it. But loving God is not just referring to saying I love you. There's something involved in it, right? So I remember decades ago, I saw this, and it changed my life. It's connected to the Scripture. We'll look at the Scripture in a little bit. But here's what I saw. The person we love the most is the person we live to please. And, you know, the Bible says, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your will, all your emotions. And so we know that's really important. But how do we show God we love him? The person we love the most is the person we live to please. And as we walk through life, we're going to have to make decisions. Am I going to please people or am I going to please God, right? And there's a lot of things we need to do that we're going to upset a lot of people. We still love them, but we have to make sure we love God even more than them. So I try to think of some examples, right? So I want you to imagine. Gene and I are not the pastors of believers. Imagine that we're young, we have young kids, and we prayed the one and done prayer, right? We accepted Jesus. All right, that's cool. And, and so now um, I decide I'm going to come to church on Sunday. I just feel I need to be with the believers. So I'm going to come to church. Forsake not the assembly of yourself together. And Gina tells me, I do not want you to go to church. I don't want you to go. And she says something like this. You know, this is our only true day off, Sunday, Joe. Um, Saturday, we clean the house, do the laundry, run the kids around. And we don't have a morning where we can just get up and have a cup of coffee and hang out with the kids. And uh, Honey, I don't want you to go to church. So now I have a decision, right? What's my decision? Uh, here's how I would handle it. I'd look at her and say, honey, I love you, all right? I'll go to 9 o'clock. I'll get it over with early. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come home, all right, honey? So uh, I'll get home, and I promise you, I'll, I'll make breakfast if you want to for the family. I'll take you to to breakfast. Um, I'll hang out. I won't even watch football today. I will just be the best husband and best daddy I could ever be, but I'm going to go to church. And she says, I don't want you to go to church. So what am I going to do? Well, I love you, honey, but I'm going to church. Deal with it, right? And, 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 and that's what I'd have to do. Why? Because I'm not going to grow if I, I don't do that. Well, what if then I feel I'm supposed to get in a connect group and Gina says, hey, you're going to church on Sunday. You're not going to go, go to that dumb church again one more time, right? And I go, honey, why don't you come to the connect group with me? I'm not going. You're not going. I say, honey, I love you. I'll be the best dad, best husband ever in the world. But, honey, I'm going to go to the connect group. And so I'm not pleasing her, but it's just something I decide to do because 
I want to follow Jesus. And if, if I don't do that, I will not grow. We will not grow if we allow people to determine how we live. But Jesus even went further than that. Listen to the scripture. He says this in Luke 14, 25, 26. Great crowds were following him. He turned around and addressed them as follows. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me, Jesus, God the Son, right, and God the Father, far more than he loves his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, or sisters. And this is the hardest one to me. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. And guys, disciples are just people that decide, I'm going to follow God with a passion. So notice how he didn't say, don't love your parents, don't love your wife, don't love your husband. He says, you have to love me more. And whenever there's a decision we have to make, you and I have to decide, I don't care what anyone else is doing, all these people I love, as for me, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. So I'll give you a, a cool example. Um, this happened when I was a new Christian. And this is for people that are newer in God too. But it can work in so many ways. I was 19, living at home, and I was raised Catholic. And one Saturday night, I took my mom and dad aside and I said, guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to go to a Protestant church. And that was a mortal sin. They said, no, you're not. My dad says, if you go to a different church, he says, when you come home, everything you own will be in the yard. He says, and you need to find another house. Well, I loved my mom and dad, and I wanted to please them. And, and that really bugged me like crazy. Like, that bothered me. But I said, Dad, I just feel like this is what God's leading me to do. And I said, I even feel called to ministry. So he said, well, you need to be a priest. And uh, he says, be a priest. And I said, well, Dad, there's one problem with me being a priest. I want to get married, and I want to have kids and grandkids. So I can't be a priest. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go where I feel God's leading me, and I have other reasons why I feel he's going to lead me. He said, son, if you go, when you come home, everything you own will be on the yard. And I said, Dad, listen, it's your house. If you want to throw me out, I'm okay with that. I'll find somewhere else to live. I, I, I make money. I'll go live somewhere. And uh, that's, that's all good, and, and I'll still love you. I won't be upset with you. And so he said, don't go. So I woke up and I went. So then I come home and uh, I look in the front yard, nothing. I look in the backyard, none of my things. I, I think he's probably put them in the garage, not in the garage. And so it, the way we grew up, uh, all, all five of my brothers and myself, my mom and dad, we had Sunday dinner. Sunday dinner was usually pasta, meatballs, chicken, uh, veal cutlets. I mean, it was loaded, right? And uh, I came in and everybody was at the table and it, you could cut the air with a knife. And I sat down. No one talked the whole meal. It was the most awkward, ugly meal I've ever eaten, right? But guys, dad never kicked me out. But here's what I want you to hear. I believe that was a decision that if I didn't make it, I probably wouldn't be Pastor Joe. But I made that decision. And you know what happened? Within one year, within one year, mom and dad accepted Christ. All, all five of my siblings accepted Christ, and God did an incredible work. But I often think, what if I would have listened and tried to please a person? I really believe God wouldn't have been able. I believe I would have just walked away from God eventually. And so that's why we say love God first and ask yourself the question, what is it in your life that maybe God's dealing with you to do? What scriptures has he made real to you that you need to say, you know what, no, whether people I love want me to do it or not, I'm just going to obey God, and watch God do what only God can do. And all these things bring blessings, right? They bring incredible blessings. When we obey God above people, it brings incredible blessings. Did you notice, I, I call it the toughest thing. He said not only more than mom and dad, and your, your mate and your kids, 
He said, you got to love me more than yourself. And to me, that's the hardest one because so often I read things in the Bible that I know God wants me to do, but it's like, I don't really want to do that. That's really hard to do, God. And if you're going to grow, you got to say, I'm going to love God even more than me. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Here's the blessings, guys. It goes like this. When we love God more than anyone else, including ourselves, he will, listen to this, work every negative situation out for our good. That's Romans 8, 28. And so it says in Romans, he can make everything work out for your good. But one of the uh, requirements is to those that love God, right? So when you love him more, he's able to do this. It goes on and reads, um, and, when, uh, and we will receive the hundredfold blessing, it's a pretty cool blessing, of deep relationships, natural and eternal blessings, Mark 10, 29, 31, and Matthew 6, 33. So there's always blessing. And I've noticed in my life, every time I decide I'm gonna do what God wants over people, God begins to bless. Here's, here's the second thing. Deep faith follows God. Simple, isn't it? Love God, follow God, right? And here at Believers, uh, we want to create a multiplying movement of disciples who make disciples. In our 41 series, Lesson 1, I cast our new vision. And uh, we're believing God in the Bourbon campus, Warren campus traditional, for 20 catalytic leaders to rise up. And some of you have already let, me know, let us know. That's, that's us. And these catalytic leaders will help us train uh, 300 disciple makers. And some of you are the three, part of the 300 disciple makers. So you keep praying and ask God, is this where I belong? But it's all about, that's all about following God. To follow God means we find out what he says and we're going to put it into practice in our life. And here's how Jesus said it. It's the very next verse out of the ones we just read. Luke 14, 27. And no one can be my disciple who does not carry his cross, his own cross, and follow me. And I love this because now he's saying, guys, you have to pick your cross up. What does it mean to pick your cross up? The cross is a symbol of death. And all it means is if we're going to follow Jesus, there's times when we're going to have to die to what we feel like doing and say, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. That's deep faith. And I'm sure Noah didn't feel like building an ark. I'm sure Moses didn't feel like leaving the palace. I'm sure Abraham didn't feel like leaving all his family. But every single time they obeyed what God asked them to do, God brought incredible blessings into their lives. So I thought about this one, uh, James chapter 1. Count it all joy when you fall into different trials. That is hard to do. I personally have to pick my cross up to do that. I have to say, I'm going to die to my feelings and I'm going to do what God asked me to do. So what's he asking? He's not saying thank God for it. He's not saying rejoice uh, for it, but he's saying in the midst of it, he says rejoice. What does that mean? We begin to say, God, I look to you as my deliverer. I look to you as the one that can fix this, and I'm not going to be bummed out. I'm not going to complain about it. That's something I have to work on, right? I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to fight these people in the flesh. Um, Lord, I'm just going to rejoice in you. And every time you do it, you know what the Bible says? Then you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's how God grows us, right? How about the Bible says we should forgive people? Deep faith forgives, but how many of us ever really feel like forgiving someone? It's not something we feel like doing, right? But man, when you make a decision, I know I, I feel like fighting with them. I feel like maybe you feel like slapping them, whatever it is, right? Um, you make a decision, I'm going to forgive them. And guys, you might not feel anything at first, but I'm telling you, 
That's when God will begin to work things out and he'll free you. And that's what we want to do. We want to be free. If they never change, we just want to be free ourselves. I don't want what someone did to me to keep me in a prison for my whole life. I'm going to release them, trust God to deal with them, and I'm just going to serve God, right? And whenever we take any part of the Bible and decide that, it's amazing. And I always throw this in for young people, right? I accepted Christ as you just heard, 19. And I was already sexually active. And so then I start reading the Bible. I hadn't met Gina yet. And, and, and I saw that God wanted me to be pure until I was married. And boy, did I argue. I said, God, this is crazy. I said, you created this thing, and you're nuts. And, and, and I had, I'm literally, I had these conversations for weeks. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. And yet every time I was in worship, like we did today, God would deal with my heart. You, you need to be pure. You need to be pure. Make a decision. And, and I'll never forget when I said, all right, God, I'm going to just obey you. I'm going to obey you. And I really believe if I didn't do that, I probably, probably wouldn't have done a lot of things I did, probably would have never met my wife. And uh, we were just with, we had all six of our grandchildren over the other day, and Gina and I just looked at each other with a big smile and said, boy, we're so glad. We're so glad we married each other. We're so glad we're together. But we're so glad we're just following God and watching God do what only he can do. And so sometimes what God asks us to do is hard. So we say, I'll pick my cross up. I'm going to do what he wants me to do, no matter what. And then God brings blessing. How about this? I wrote this down too. When we follow Jesus, we will grow spiritually and find freedom where we struggle. First Peter 2.22 says that. God will flood us with joy and purpose. That's John 15, uh, 9 through 11, Matthew 16. And he will reveal, I love this one, secret things and himself to us. Read John 14, 21 this week. Man, God wants to reveal secret things. That's your purpose. Might be something you need to know that will protect you. But I love the last part of that. He wants to reveal and make himself real to you. And as we just begin to follow him, pick up that cross, say, I know I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it. And that's deep faith. It develops fruit, right? Here's my last one. I saved the best for last. Here it is. Uh, deep faith serves people. And Jesus talks about this in the scriptures. And there's a cool story, guys. Um, Jesus has a mom come to him. It's James and John's mom, not James, the brother of Jesus. James and John, she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, in your kingdom, I'd like for James and for John, one to be on your right hand, one on your left hand. I mean, that's the highest position anybody could have. And Jesus says, well, it's not for me. It's the Father that will determine that. And he says, they have to drink from my cup, which is the cup of suffering. He goes, uh, but he, he goes, you don't need to think about that. And, and so what happened is the other 10 disciples heard her. And I, I tell you, they were mad. The Bible lets us know they were upset with James and John. They probably told your mama jokes. Like they, they probably just got on their mom like crazy. But she was like any mom or dad trying to get the best for her kids, right? So um, uh, they, they are fighting now with each other. So then Jesus begins to tell them, man, you guys don't understand. And then he told them, this is how the world works. I don't want you to work this way. And then we're going to read where he said, this is how the kingdom works. And he says this, Matthew 20, verse 26. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So he's talking about us serving people. God's people, right? Verse 27, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Boy, that's, that's stronger than a servant, right? And then verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. So Jesus is our example. But I want you to take a look at what he's saying. God calls you great when you serve. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. Most of you are in, in the choir, right? But I just want to encourage you, right? When, when you serve people through your church, or there's some of you that serve parachurch organizations like Bella or, or the Warren Mission, uh, when you're serving God's people, God says, you're great. So how does God determine who's great? The one that's laying their life down for someone else. And then the, the first, first is like your highest position in heaven. You know, we're saved by grace. We can't work our way to heaven. But God's going to reward each and every one of us when we come to that other side. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And <clears throat> some will be first just because they made themselves uh, s- slaves, really, to the body of Christ. They said, I'm going to serve people with a vengeance. And Jesus says, you'll end up being first. Now, I realize we have to balance our lives, right? We have families. We have to balance. But what Jesus is saying, guys, is if you take on the attitude of a servant and you serve, man, God's going to be able to bless you like you've never been blessed. But here's the most important thing. He'll call you great. And I really think when we go to heaven, some of us will be shocked. I think there'll be some pastors like me. We're going to get to heaven and they're not... It's like, we're going to think, why didn't you get rewarded? Well, God's looking at the heart, right? And some pastors want to be served by people, so they're in the pastorate so you can serve them, right? But I think we're going to be shocked. We're going to see people that are these high positions in heaven. They're first, they're great, and we're going to be shocked. We're going to say they weren't in the ministry, but what did they do? They laid their life down to serve. That's really exciting. So here's the blessings. You ready? Uh, I'll close with this. Uh, When we serve in God's family, God calls us great and makes us first in our eternal position. We just talked about that. Listen to this. Serving will bring glory to God. How many of us want to glorify God? Do you know every time you serve, you're glorifying God? Uh, 1 Peter 4.11. Serving will help Christians grow spiritually, Ephesians 4.16, and that's happening right now. It's going to happen through the week. Uh, Serving brings blessing into our life. And this is John 13, 12 through 17. This is really cool. Uh, that is the text where Jesus says we should wash one another's feet. It's quite a text. Jesus is the Son of God who always existed. He's in a human body. It's just before the Last Supper. He gets a towel, he bends down, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Think about desert climate, sandals. And they tried to stop him because servants did that. And Jesus is a teacher. He's a prophet. He's the son of God. They said, you can't do this. And he said, I have to. I'm setting an example for you. And he washed their feet. So I was on a mission trip, and we were in a place where they lived in huts, right? Mud huts. And uh, we decided to have a foot washing. And uh, so we washed our feet. Now, they went around barefoot. We had to change that water every couple feet, right? Because... Uh, it, it became so dirty. And it was one of the most humbling things. But as I did it, this kept coming to mind. Because he wasn't talking about literally washing feet. But I thought, you know what? Jesus wants us to have that servant attitude. So after he was finished washing her feet, he said, did you understand what I just did? And they were just like me. I would have did the same. Oh, yeah. And then when he walked away, I said, what, what does all this mean? Uh, we got to wash each other. Your feet stink, Peter. I don't want to wash your feet. I mean, I could see it just being... Yeah, like, what was he saying? But then he said this. He said, but if you do this, he says, I'll bless the socks off you. Yeah, literally. He said, I'll bless you. And so it's a mentality. When we lay our life down, when we serve, God's able to bless us. 
And I wrote these blessings down. They're interesting. When we serve in God's family, God calls us great and makes us first. Oh, I already read these. Sorry, guys. Uh, Serving brings blessing into our lives. That's the one I just wanted to emphasize. It allows God to begin to bless us. After three services, I think. When did I say that? I say that? I don't know. When did I say that? I might have said it a second. I don't know. I might have said it first. Or I don't know. But guys, let me ask you a question in my fashion, right? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm excited that every time we hear a scripture, everything we heard today, it produces faith, and we can decide to put it into practice. So here's what you need to do. We're going to pray in just a moment. Just ask God, man, how can I make this work in my life? Is there a way that I can do this? Am I doing it at the highest level? Can I love you at a higher level? Are there any people stopping me from following you? Am I worried about what people think about me? Whatever it is, Lord, uh, how can I pick up my cross and follow you? And then, Lord, am I serving you at the level you want me to serve you? And that's between you and God. But aren't you excited that just hearing those scriptures produce faith And when we put them into practice, God's able to do what only God can do. And so as I always do, can we give it up and say thank you, God, for the word of God? Give it up in Borman, online, in the chat room. Oh, yeah, TCI. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray, man. Let's pray. Uh, Father, here's what we ask. We ask as we bow our heads. This month's all about deeper. So show us how we can go deeper. Show us how we can go deeper, Lord. Just show us. And I thank you for showing every single one of us where and how we can go deeper. Lord, we want to be like Noah. We want to build the arcs in our life that will save us from the floods of life. We want to have deeper faith. And Lord, we thank you we're well equipped to do that because faith comes by hearing your word. So we thank you that we all have faith to follow anything you want us to do. And Lord, we don't want our faith to be without works. We want it to be alive. We want it to be producing fruit. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just right now, just ask yourself or ask God, say, what can I do to go deeper? Would you do that right now? Just pray, what can I do to go deeper? Some of you say, Lord, what can I do in my worship to go deeper? Next week when I come, Lord, help me to go deeper. Help me to worship like I'm standing right in front of the throne of God. What scriptures, Lord, have you been dealing with me about that I haven't put into practice? I want to put them into practice, Lord God, and watch you do what only you can do. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe God's going to keep talking to people, but maybe you're listening to my voice in Borman, here in Warren, TCI, online. You're not sure of your eternity because, hey, we do need to come into the kingdom by faith, right? Salvation faith. And if you're listening, you say, you know, Pastor Joe, my heart's stirred. I walked in, maybe you weren't sure God existed. Maybe you you knew he existed, but you didn't know you had to put faith in him. Whatever it is. But you say, you know what? I believe the good news. I believe Jesus died. I believe God raised him from the dead. And, And I'm ready to accept him as my savior. If you're here and that's you, would you pray with me right now? The rest of us, can we help them? Let's help them with some enthusiasm. And let's pray with them as they pray this prayer. This is a this is a miracle prayer, by the way. It, it, it changes us from the inside out. So say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I make a decision this day to accept you call you Lord 
and to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.